Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Dr. Sean Baker at Sean Baker 1967 returns to the podcast for a fourth time. Sean is one of the most genuine, friendly, and knowledgeable human beings I've had the pleasure of meeting in person. He uses his outspoken voice to inspire thousands of people to experiment with and thrive on carnivore. If you don't know who Sean Baker is, you're probably living under a rock, uh, but he's the backflipping, basketball dunking, and massive deadlifting 55 year old father. He's a five year carnivore. He's the co-founder of Rivero.Health, a platform for people to connect, learn, and grow with the carnivore diet together. And he's constantly pushing against paradigms while educating the masses. He also hosts a large YouTube channel with 150,000 subscribers with daily uploads, including new research, news, practical tips, and more. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Baker. Hey, Scott. It is an absolute pleasure to talk to you again. Thanks for that nice, nice introduction. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And uh, how have you been? How's your World Carnivore Month going? And are you doing anything different this time? Uh, it's going uh, well. I mean, you know, like I said, I, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I, you know, I did actually start it five years ago. So it's the fifth year we've done it. Um, I am just, you know, kind of inundated with requests to do stuff. So I've been doing that. But like I said, in the background, I'm doing all this. You, know, you mentioned company Rivero. It's actually Rivero.com. We, we got the com. We actually ended up. Oh, nice. That's great. Uh, license for, or, you know, domain eventually. So, uh, it's good. It's busy. Life is busy. Um, which is a good thing. You know, there's, like I said, there's always, always worse problems to have, but, uh, I'm getting, you know, just like I do every year, I'm getting, you know, just thousands of people, um, discussing how they're doing a carnivore diet and how it's helping them uh, improve their health and get leaner and lose weight and, and all these neat things. So, uh, life is, is generally pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. And one thing I saw, um, more recently is you've, encourage people to um, share what medications they've got off of. What inspired that? Well, you know, again, this is related to our company. And so we are on the cusp of becoming a full major medical company. And so we're hiring physicians, treating diseases. Uh, and so we want to show to our investors um, that you can get people off of medications and, and these medicine, medicines often cost a lot of money. And so this, it represents you know, just a cost savings. So that's one of the things we're, we're, we're trying to show that, look, this is, there's value in doing what we're doing. And so that's one way to do that. And so, um, you know, I've got, you know, we've been collecting success stories for a couple of years now. We have hundreds and hundreds of those. And so we wanted to just kind of say, hey, look, this is the bottom line. We get people off drugs and medications, which, you know, tend to be a big, huge cost when it comes to paying for healthcare. So that was the impetus for that. And so that is um, something we're still doing, still collecting that. And it's, uh, you know, we have a number of people interested in investing in us, which is, uh, which is great. So I think it's helping. That's amazing. Um, I'm really excited to hear that. And 
I, I think I first heard about this idea with Rob Wolf with, um, I believe it was a um, firefighter station he worked with and he showed how much they lowered their medical bills and like the ROI on it. And he thought it would just take off and everyone would buy it. But um, more recently, like Verta Health is kind of doing this with employers and their insurance plans showing how much uh, they can save if their employees uh, start using Verta Health. So I think it's really cool to take that like economics type approach. Yeah. And, you know, Verta is, is obviously done well. They're now a $2 billion company. Um, and, uh, you know, they've secured about uh, $400 million in funding. And so they're doing quite well and they are taking it to insurance companies and uh, we'll be able to do something, I think, equally as impressive uh, as, as we, uh, you know, continue to scale up. Because I think what we do, I think, I mean, not just a carnivore diet, but these, you know, these very, uh, you know, diets that, that emphasize, you know, nutritious food, the true nutritious food, which is, which is actually meat, I think has a tremendous role in uh, dealing with not just diabetes like Verta focuses on, but as I'm sure you're aware of uh, inflammatory disease, autoimmune diseases, you know, mental health disorders on and on and on. And so uh, we are looking to, you know, like I said, make a big impact in the world of healthcare. Yeah, that's fantastic. And what, um, what else do you have going on with Rivero now on more of the community side? And maybe what are some new or exciting ways people can get involved? Uh, well, of course, we, you know, we, we, we continue to have the, just the, the community uh, that, you know, continues to support people. So we continue to get more and more members. Um, and, you know, that I think that aspect is essential to whatever way, whatever sort of uh, practice you want to do. You want to have support around you when you're trying to make changes in people's health. Uh, you know, we continue to expand upon what we have with, you know, adding doctors to our community, adding, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm very big, big proponent of supporting ranchers directly. So we continue to, to attract ranchers that want to, you know, let people know their, you know, their existence so that they can continue to do that. Um, one of the things that we'll be doing, you know, again, this is as part of the expansion within the community for the community members, um, you know, we'll start, you know, allowing sort of tailoring, customizing things for people based on their particular demographics and disease conditions that they're trying to deal with. And so what we've discovered is, you know, someone who is, you know, say, say middle age with, you know, diabetes, depression may require different sort of uh, support treatment and, and even dietary interventions than someone that is say younger uh, and, and perhaps is dealing with an autoimmune disease early in life. And so we're seeing we're, we're, as people provide us more and more data. And the nice thing about the carnivore diet is the data is relatively unconfounded with, you know, with when it comes to dietary data. And so uh, we continue, you know, we have mechanisms by which people can share that data and help to, uh, you know, refine what we're doing. You know, this is something that as, as we grow, we'll be able to get more and more accurate as to what, you know, we're able to uh, share with people so that they can, you know, they can treat their, their unique situations. You know, my, my hypothesis was that, you know, uh, many people share the same disease, but they are so dissimilar that they don't always respond, you know, the same way to the same intervention. And so if you can start to sort of, uh, granulize that a little bit more to where you can say, does it truly matter how old I am and what sex I am and what is my ethnicity, ethnicity or genetic background or my activity level or where I live or what my job is or, 
how much sun exposure I get, do those things modify how I would treat a particular condition and, and, and do other conditions? You know, somebody with diabetes and Crohn's disease act different from somebody who has diabetes and not Crohn's disease. I mean, the obvious answer is most likely yes, but how so and what 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 sort of uh, interventions can you do for that? So that's, you know, that's going to be the focus, you know, as we, you know, like I said, we're ramping up or we've got several investors that have invested in us. And so we're going to start spending that money to develop some of this, um, uh, you know, data, uh, you know, synthesis. And then also we've got several clinical trials we're going to be doing as well. Yeah, that's great. And one question I had around that um, is as you're bringing more doctors into the fold and onto the platform, do you find you're uncovering pockets of like clinicians who have used carnivore or carnivore like diets to treat a lot of people with a certain condition, maybe one that you haven't had heard of before. Like I know what was interesting is like when Paul Mason um, started becoming a lot more well-known, it was like, wow, he's helped so many people with IBS and, and these digestive conditions. And so I, I'm curious if you've had, some of those types of experiences with, with new physicians you start to work with? Uh, I, you know, I've seen, um, you know, I think it's where it kind of works backwards. I think what I'm finding is, you know, we're seeing people discovering what works for them and then the physicians are finding out about it. And so since I've been mostly interacting directly with the population in general, and I've seen so many things respond to a carnivore diet and now we're seeing physicians who picked it up, you know, particularly things like you mentioned, IBS, Crohn's, you know, IBD, including Crohn's disease and uh, ulcerative colitis. And then we're also seeing such good success with you know, things like psoriasis and, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and, so, and, and, you know, even mental health disorders. And so I, I'm seeing all of those things being represented in the physicians now. And so um, I haven't seen like this is a brand new disease that I've never heard of being treated this way. I mean, I usually find that out from from the patients, quite honestly, but there are more and more physicians that are definitely using it. And, and, and many of them are now being vocal about it, which I think is great because I think this is, this is uh, um, something that people need to know about so they can, you know, they can address those issues. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you do a great job, Sean, of sharing um, studies and research on your YouTube channel and your Instagram. Is there any area of research that's garnered your attention more recently? Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of just kind of have my eyes out for anything that looks interesting for me. I haven't really said I'm really going to focus on this one particular area. You know, as we're designing clinical trials, I'm I'm sort of delving into those particular areas. We're going to probably target a few diseases first, which make the most sense for us. And those are going to be some of those ones I've already mentioned, these autoimmune inflammatory diseases. So I'm looking more at how do we assess these things objectively? You know, obviously there's the subjective, uh, you know, clinically validated, you know, subjective forms, which are great. And those are very valid. And, and I think it, it's very meaningful for, for, for patients. And, you know, but there's also these sort of emerging uh, markers, you know, lab markers that are interesting to see how valid they are. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at that, but that, you know, like I said, I still, that's a small part of what I do. I mean, it's, it's important, but it's, you know, like I said, I just kind of, look through that. I'm very fortunate, you know, and maybe you get some of this too, as, as your social media account grows, people just send you stuff that's interesting. Some of it's, you know, kind of stupid, goofy stuff, but yeah. a lot of it's off, a lot of it's often, you know, some valid research. And so I look at those things and I'll often kind of share those 
Uh, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll try to synthesize that and make it more uh, understandable for maybe you know, kind of a lay person if I can. Yeah, I think you've always done a great job of that. And another thing uh, I like that you do is you're not afraid to highlight BS and misinformation in the media. Um, so what what inspires you to keep doing that every day? I mean, it must get tiresome. Uh, well, I mean, I, it, it, I mean, sometimes it does get a little tiresome. Sometimes I, you know, I think you know, it'd be fun if I just kind of abandoned social media. But you know, honestly, I, I I get a lot of a lot of enjoyment out of interacting with folks, and and you know, in, in one form or another. And I think you know, you know, I try to use humor and entertainment to keep engagement high uh, the best I can, and um, you know. That often, you know, because you see such outrageous nonsense being put, posted by, you know, people that think that meat is evil and, you know, the only way you can be healthy is to, you know, stuff your mouth with, you know, 15, you know, bowls of vegetables every day. Um, so I just, uh, you know, find that those things lend themselves to a little bit of humor and, uh, I, you know, often will do that just for fun. I have fun with it too. It's quite honestly. Yeah. I think the funniest have been some of your TikToks where it's just you reacting to someone making some crazy like meat substitute or something. Disgusting. Uh, yeah. They, 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 put, they put, they spend like three hours and 600 ingredients and, you know, putting something that doesn't even look remotely appealing and, you know, pretending it's meat. It's kind of humorous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think the story is changing in popular media at all in terms of um, meat, for nutrition or the environmental impact? I think more and more people are, are, are aware of some of the, uh, you know, uh, the counter narrative, I suppose. I mean, there is clearly a narrative that we're all going to be giving up meat and eating bugs and plant-based gruel and perhaps synthetic lab meat. And that's kind of, some people have resigned to that and sort of buy off on what they're being told. But I think there's a equally, I think there's a huge pushback. And what's really made me happy is to see more and more, ranchers and farmers starting to get out there and, 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 and let people know what's really going on. Because, you know, you, for years, we've had this sort of vegan propaganda, you know, documentary films and showing a very one-sided lopsided um, view of the world. And a lot of people have kind of, kind of bought into that because they had no other way to sit. I mean, most people don't spend time on ranches and farms. I mean, I've had the great pleasure and honor to have gone on to and, many, many ranches and spoke with ranchers directly and, and walk with their animals and seeing what's going on. And so I know very much how much these people actually care about, uh, you know, the animals that they, that they take care of and then, you know, eventually provide, you know, turn them into food. But, um, and then I think, you know, there's been a lot of people that are pushing back. I mean, I think that's clear. I think, you know, the fact that the carnivore diet is now even mentioned in the mainstream, uh, you know, discourse, you know, whereas, you know, five or six years ago, kind of, you know, before I was involved, I don't want to take full credit for this, but I think I've had some impact on, you know, bringing that, you know, of course, you know, guys like Joe Rogan talking about it now have, have you know, I mean, with, with the influence and reach he has, people know about it. They know it's an option. Now, many people think it's crazy, but they know that it is an option. And, you know, there's many people that try it now and they find out pretty quickly that, hey, wait, maybe meat isn't the bad guy. Why do I feel so good when I eat a lot of meat? And, you know, I've been told I should be dead. And that's not happening, clearly, as you know. I'm very excited to be partnering with Bioptimizers to bring you guys an awesome new product. Capex helps you digest fat, 
which we all know is so important on a carnivore or meat-based diet. There are many well-researched benefits to having good fat in your diet. I think it's an essential part of carnivore to make sure you're getting enough fat, not just jamming down protein. But the problem is with too much fat and without proper digestive enzymes and key nutrients, the fat just sits in your stomach and creates a traffic jam. For me, this made me bloated, made me up all night with indigestion. You can feel sluggish, low energy. Undigested fats pass through your GI tract so you can get greasy, fatty stools, constipation, fatty liver, etc. But Bioptimizers has created an awesome new digestive product called Capex, which is specifically great for carnivore. It helps in a few key ways. One is it can help rev up your cellular metabolism and boosting your energy and your capacity to burn fat as fuel. It also helps your body build new cells on a carnivore diet. And lastly, it can give you really strong focused energy. So I don't recommend taking it past 5 p.m. or so because it can just wake you up without any stimulants, which is pretty awesome. So I highly suggest you check it out. I had a great podcast with one of the founders and CEO of Bioptimizers, Matt Gallant, if you want to check it out. You can go to kenergize.com slash carnivorecast to get a discount. That's K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E.com forward slash carnivorecast, one word. And you'll automatically get 10% off any package of KPEX with coupon code carnivorecast10. It's all one word at checkout. That's kenergize slash carnivorecast. And hope you guys enjoy. A lot of credit goes to you in spreading this message and making it so popular and well-known um, and dispelling a lot of those myths publicly. Um, shifting gears a little bit, have you run any diet experiments yourself lately? Last time we spoke, you had gone through your fat cycling cut. Um, just curious if you're doing anything different with your diet lately. Um, not so much. I've been, I've been, you know, more interested in, like I said, I'm, I'm taking up a new sport, jujitsu. And so I'm kind of just, feeding myself appropriately for that. Uh, it really hasn't changed too much. I mean, I'm, I'm basically two meals a day, basically eating, you know, I don't know, three to four pounds of meat a day. And, you know, and I, when I say meat, I mean, sometimes it's eggs, you know, the equivalent amount of eggs and, and that type of stuff. But uh, no, I mean, you know, World Carnivore Month, I generally sort of get fairly strict, you know, where I, where I just uh, don't include dairy and uh, some of these other things. But no, I, I really haven't change too much as far as, you know, trying to do any kind of particular experiments. I mean, my goal right now, I just turned 55, as you mentioned, um, I'm trying to stay strong and get stronger. And, you know, it was interesting. I, I just actually, at least for the last five years, I, I, I recently did some deadlift thing and I hit a PR a lifetime, well, I guess it's a lifetime PR uh, on, a, on a trap bar deadlift. And so I'm focusing on getting stronger um, just to kind of, as, I, as I've mentioned many, many times, I think strong, being strong, having plenty of lean muscle mass is so important as you get older in life. And so the fact that I've been able to, you know, even in the last five years, since I've been doing carnivore, get stronger than I was five years ago is, is uh, kind of a cool thing. And so that requires a bit more food, you know, as you know, putting on weight and strength, you got to eat more. And so that's what I've been doing. And I can't say I'm complaining. I like, you know, I like when I can eat a lot. That's, that's kind of, I'm a big guy and I got a big appetite. So <laughs> that is what I've up to lately. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, um, you notice a difference now versus like three years into carnivore? Do you think it's changed for you at all? The effects on your body or your tastes or anything? Not anything major. Not that I could say. I mean, I'm still, I mean, I like ribeyes three years ago and I still like them today. I mean, that's still probably my favorite. 
Um, I've been, you know, I've been experimenting a little more with different cuts of meat just because, you know, I've, I've you know, I, I have that. I've got maybe a few different cooking options that I didn't have a couple of years ago. You know, I'm more, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm just playing a little more creatively in the kitchen with, you know, different, different styles of cooking. But I mean, my, my taste is still pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, and, and what got you into the Brazilian jujitsu and what are your goals with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, thought it looked cool many years ago. I've been kind of just thinking it looks something cool, but I never really had the, the motivation to do it. And so, uh, it's interesting. I, I, I one of the professional fighters, a guy named Georgie Carhanian, who fights in Bellator, started following a carnivore diet and he was in Los Angeles or near Los Angeles. And he, he hit me up on um, social media. He said, Hey, can I come train with you? I was just training at my house. I said, sure. I don't mind. Yeah, I'm always happy to have training partners. So he came down and, you know, I put him through a couple workouts and, you know, we cooked eight steaks together and he said, Hey, if you want to learn how to do jujitsu, come up to my place, I'll the studio. I'll show you how to do it. So I use that as an, ex- you know, I thought that was an interesting opportunity. So I went up there and did it and just had a blast with it. And, you know, just kind of signed up in my, you know, as far as my goal, my goal, I'm going to compete. My first competition is uh, uh, beginning of March and we'll see where I can go. I mean, my, you know, I mean, I think, and and I may be wrong, but I think I can compete at a very high level, particularly as a master's athlete, somebody my age, just because I still have, you don't have a lot to learn and a long way to go as far as the technical side of the game. But I mean, from a physical standpoint, um, I think I can do very well with that. And a lot of the other athletic pursuits I've had will transfer, you know, pretty well to this. I mean, being tall with long limbs and being very strong and being fit uh, is a definite, you know, advantage for me. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in there. I mean, I don't get to train as much as I'd like to just because of you know, the personal situation with, with where, the, where we're living right now. But I have, you know, full intention to, to, to do it and compete to the highest level I'm able to. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I I can't see any 50-year-old or, or mid-50s person not being absolutely terrified to spar with you, Sean. <laughs> um, it, are long limbs actually an advantage in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, or do you want shorter ones? I, I wasn't sure because I feel like if you had really long limbs, you could get pinned more easily, but maybe it's just an advantage uh, you know, there's every body type has its own particular uh, attribute that makes it more effective. And so, uh, but, you know, I think longer limbs, you know, give you some more offensive advantages that other people don't, you know, like there's something called a triangle where you kind of wrap your legs around somebody's neck and oh yeah, kind of sweep book out and stuff like that. So there's, there are some disadvantages to it. You know, there's, there's, you know, uh, being big has its advantages and disadvantages. And so there's, you know, like I said, which if you develop your game, so that becomes your strong point and, you, and you're able to like, you know, your arms might be more easily captured because they're longer and they're harder to hide, so to speak. But, you know, I think the combination of being long and strong uh, is, is a pretty good combination. And so I, you know, like I said, if you've got long skinny arms that you can't, you know, protect very well, then it's easier to, I guess, get you in an armbar situation. But if your arms are particularly strong, then then you might be able to avoid some of that. So I, I think it's a net positive for me. And so I think uh, um, I, you know, while I'm still learning how to use it correctly, uh, generally, I think it's general, general positive. Yeah. I, I, for some weird reason, I have a fascination with like how 
different body proportions affect different sports. I think it's because I rode for so long and I have really short legs and very long arms. And that, that was such a disadvantage, but yeah, that's interesting. What was it like? You, you mentioned the the deadlift PR. I saw some of that on um, Mark, Mark Bell's channel. Um, what was it like training with Stan Efferding and the gang at super training? Well, I mean, and I've, I've, you know, I've had the pleasure and the opportunity to train there several times. And it's always motivating. You know, I mean, one thing, they stick a camera on you the whole time, so you can't really be slacking. So, you know, <laughs> you know it's kind of funny. Mark has, Mark has cameramen, and, they, and they're literally filming basically every second you're there the whole time, no matter what you do. So if you're picking your nose, it's going to be on camera. But, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, not only was Stan there and Mark there, and both these guys are, you know, world-class or have been world-class athletes when it comes to strength sports and, you know, Stan, particularly with bodybuilding. And then, you know, we had, uh, you know, Andre uh, Malenchev, Malenchev, I got it right. Yeah, sorry, I don't pronounce it right. And he was, you know, he's a Russian guy that was, he's the super heavy world record holder in powerlifting there as well. And they're all screaming at you to perform. And so, I mean, you know, in this particular situation, my goal was to deadlift 415 pounds on a trap bar for 20 repetitions, you know, dead stop instead of touch and go, which I'd never done before. And so my goal is to hit 20. And with these guys screaming and yelling, I was able to hit 22, uh, which is, you know, pretty, you know, pretty decent for, you know, particularly for my age and, and whatnot. And then of course, Stan went and he had to do 25, but it was uh, something that, uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty intense environment. And we did a lot of other training besides that. We did, you know, a whole, whole bunch of stuff afterwards. And so, it's a great experience. You know, it's something I, cause I usually train by myself at home and, you know, obviously I have to be internally motivated, but having, uh, having someone else there always elevates you know, my game in particular. And so, uh, when you're in a place where there's nothing but kind of world champions around you, you know, you either, you know, sneak away or you, or you perform at a high level. Yeah. I think it's definitely a dream of mine to train, train with Mark Bell and, and Seema and some of those guys one day, that would be so cool. Do you think with like all the education you've done and Mark Bell has done and Paul Saladino and all these people, do you think your audience is getting smarter about carnivore? Um, like, obviously there are always going to be new people. Um, but do you feel like some of the super common questions, like why don't you eat organ meats um, and stuff like that? Has that changed? Has it shifted? Are people asking different questions now, or do you feel like it's been pretty similar? Uh, I think there's enough information out there. And, you know, as you know, there's, everybody's got information at their fingertips via the internet uh, that many people uh, answer those questions. You know, like, you know, when I first started doing it, it was like, you know, how do you go to the bathroom? Aren't you going to get scurvy? And I, I don't see that as much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw it pretty for, you know, the first year or two. And then, you know, then so many people, you know, hear the arguments and, understand and, and you know it's obvious we're not getting scurvy and and so now the questions are a little more nuanced and you know you know you still get the questions of you know stuff that's a new person would ask like you know can I have a cheat meal and do you eat vegetables and this type of stuff I get from time to time where people aren't familiar with me but in, in a large part you know particularly like within my social media if somebody asks a question there's usually somebody that will respond to that person and say no you don't need to do this or this or that and this is my experience and so so many people have experience with this now that um, the common questions are being addressed um, pretty quickly. As far as I, because I, it's impossible for me to answer yeah. every single comment I on a post. I would, I would do spend nothing. I would do nothing else. I try to answer my direct message, and that usually can be 
you know, an hour or more a day, just trying to do that. And that's, that's a lot of, a lot of time to take care of that stuff. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, and there's people that have, you know, done their modifications. Some people are, you know, doing it a certain way. Some people are doing raw meat and some people are doing organ meats and some people are adding fruit and honey and other different variations. And I don't, you know, like I said, none of it really bothers me. I mean, I, I think, again, at the end of the day, I just want people to um, do what's working for them so they can, what, what frustrates me is when I go out in society, and I see so many damn sick people and so many obese people and, and, and they're miserable and pissed off and they make society less enjoyable for the rest of us. And so, you know, people are solving their issues, getting off their drugs and, you know, getting their, their brains right. Then, then I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. It is really sad to see um, how sick some people are. And I, I think, Oftentimes we need to zoom out and see that to get away from like the, that's not carnivore infighting type thing that goes on. It's just, it's, it's all kind of noise. <laughs> you just like go to any common place and see what people are eating and how people are feeling and all the health conditions they have. And like you said, where, how it influences a lot of the decisions they make over, you know, how they force other people to live as well. Um, what, uh, what's your goal with the YouTube channel, Sean? Um, what is there anything you're trying to do with that in particular? Well, my short term goal is to not get suspended completely. I, you know, I keep getting suspended because I've, I've, I've dared to comment on, you know, this pandemic stuff, which is, you know, apparently you're not allowed to talk about that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, with the YouTube channel, um, you know, like I said, uh, just to grow that to get more exposure, you know, I've been, I've been kind of, you know, my message has been a little bit more diverse, I've been a little more political on there, something which I never really, wanted to do, but I think, you know, what, what people say, you may not be interested in politics, but politics is going to far is interested in you. And so, um, but, uh, you know, growing, just growing the audience and then exposing them to um, the fact that, you know, meat is not bad for us and we shouldn't be limiting that because I, you know, I have a selfish interest in being able to continue to eat meat for whatever reason and for my, you know, for my kids to be able to do that. And, you know, as, as you probably are aware, there's a pretty significant push to, um, limit meat significantly in, in the human diet, which I think is a, just an incredibly short-sighted and dreadful mistake we'll make if we if we ever go that route. And uh, so it's just you know, like I said, education, entertainment. Um, hopefully, hopefully to 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 I try to you know one of the things I, I try to do. I, like I mean, I have a lot of different sort of things, but I, I try to inspire people to do stuff and, and not just be passive and, and to sort of take control of their life and their health. And I get a lot of people, you know, my, my audience, I look at the demographics and it tends to be an older audience. And so I get a lot of people that some of them are just, you know, physical and mental train wrecks from years of, you know, uh, uh, doing the wrong things, uh, you know, nutritionally and lifestyles wise. And, you know, just get some of those people to sort of realize that they have within their power to change these things. And it's not that hard, uh, you know, the, 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 the plan is not that hard to do. The implementation can be tough, but, um, you know, and I try to, you know, like I said, my YouTube, I try to post something every day, multiple times a day, something usually, usually a little short, you know, two, three minute videos, which seems to work well for me and the audience seems to like it. And so a lot of people use that kind of as a, I don't know, a grounding place to kind of just get, get recharged, I suppose. Yeah. I really enjoy it myself. I meant to ask you when we started the interview, how many times have you been in Instagram jail since uh, we last spoke? 
Well, I don't know about Instagram, Joe. I mean, YouTube, I've been suspended, I think, I think four or five times, you know, so it's like they shut me down for a week or two weeks. Wow. Right now I'm sitting on two strikes. And so I could, you know, if I get, if I get a third strike before, I think it's March 3rd, then, then the channel will be shut down. And I, you know, I guess I would have to start another one. Hopefully that won't happen. So I'm, I've been tempering the, the topics I talk about, just, you know, try, you know, see if I can make it for <laughs> another, was it six weeks or so? Um, but, you know, Instagram, I, I mean, I've been periodically shadow banned. I mean, I have people that say they can't find me. They've got to search yeah. every last letter. Man, yeah, I, I've had that several times. Yeah, I don't know how many times that's happened to me. I, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of sad that we have this, you know, censorship sort of thing. I mean, I know people say, well, they're, they're private companies. They can do what they want. But, this, I mean, this is real, realistically, the, you know, it's kind of like this is – the town square at this point, you know, it's like where people would gather outside and chat. It's now become digitized. And just because, you know, somebody owns the town square, do we, do we, you know, suspend the, 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 you know, our constitutional rights for, uh, um, you know, I guess that's a good analogy. Like if I go to, uh, uh, you know, a mall and I want to exercise free speech, can I, can they say, well, this is a privately owned facility and you're not allowed to say that here. Yeah, that affair does the First Amendment apply in the middle of the the shopping mall? Yeah, same thing with Instagram. It's just owned by someone and YouTube. Well, uh, thank you very much, Sean. It's been a pleasure. Um, I know you're a very busy guy and really appreciate you doing this. Um, Where can people find out more about you and support what you're doing? Yeah, so, uh, you know, rivero.com. And and we will be, you know, like I said, we are, you know, we are uh, right now you know, dealing with a lot of investment. We're going to have a public investment option for people that, that may have an interest in that. That's going to happen uh, uh, in, in the very near future. I can't release the details to the SEC regulations until we actually do it. So, but that will be happening. It'll be, I'll, I'll you know, I'll let people know my social media. So you can actually purchase a, a portion of Rivera if you're interested. So as it grows, your your hopefully your investment grows. Um, Instagram, as you mentioned, Sean Baker, 1967. So S H A W N B A K E R 1967. I'm on Twitter at S Baker M D. Uh, I am on, I've got a YouTube channel. I think it's Sean Baker M D. I've got, uh, what else? TikTok, <laughs> which yep. I've got, a, it's kind of, I've got a guy that just approached me about trying to assist me with some of the social media. Cause I've been doing it exclusively by myself for the last five years. And wow. So I might. I may, I may, you know, ask for, you know, get some assistance. So I'm trying to grow that account as well, because that seems to be the most as TikTok is a weird place. It's got a bunch of crazy nuttiness. It's kind of accessible, but there is a, a lot of audience there that you can, you know, we can influence. And I think it's important to reach these younger audiences. Like I said, my demographic skews towards the more, you know, the older folks, but reaching the younger folks and let them know, Hey, you need to know what's going on for your future. So that is also Sean Baker, MD. And then I think I've got a getter account. You know, this is that right wing Nazi crap, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just, this is more free freedom of speech. So I've got a getter. I think it's also Sean Baker, MD. I think about a rumble account, Sean Baker, MD. And, and I think that's it for now. That's plenty. That's more than enough. You're diversified. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, you know, to see, see if we can meet, reach as many people as possible. Nice. Well, thanks, Sean. Really appreciate it. I'll have links to all that. And uh, best of luck with everything you have going on. Scott, thank you very much and keep doing the good work. Uh, You're doing a great job as well. Thank you. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, 
You'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered? Or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.